We're going to learn later on in our Masechta about a concept known as beer. What exactly is beer? So when a certain type of produce can no longer be found at all in the fields, to the point that even animals who are roaming around cannot find any of that produce, at that point there's a special halacha that if you gathered in any of that produce to your house, then you, t- you need to remove it from your house and get rid of it. We'll learn lots of details about that halacha later on, but for now we'll just mention that there's a fundamental machlekes about the status of that produce after the beer. According to Rabbi Yehuda, once you've gotten rid of that produce from your house, you can't then recollect it, and in fact, after beer, that becomes the property of the poor people. So any poor person can take it for himself. Until the poor person has taken it, it's viewed as sort of a collective property of anybody poor, but as soon as one poor person takes it, it becomes owned entirely by him. That's Rabbi Huda's opinion. However, Rabbi Meir's opinion is that beer is just like Hefko, and you make something ownerless, which means that anybody can then take it, whether he's poor or not, and that includes the person himself. So according to Rabbi Meir, what beer involves is just removing it from your house, but as soon as you've done that, if you want to, you can take it back and eat it for yourself. Now in our Mishnah, we're going to have two different opinions, and one of the opinions will hold like Rabbi Yehuda, that only poor people can eat it afterwards, and it's viewed as the poor people's property. I'm going to have another opinion that holds like Rabbi Meir, that anybody, even the owner himself, can take back that food. Says the Mishnah, Luf she'ovrol of Shavius, a luf, which is a certain type of onion, whose leaves passed Shavius. Olov are its leaves, and the situation which the Mishnah is referring to is where this, this plant and the leaves grew both in the seventh year, the Shemitah year, and then they carried on growing into the eighth year as well. So Rebilezer says, If actually the poor people did collect the leaves, they did pluck the leaves during Shemitah, and that's really not the case of our Mishnah, but Rebilezer says that if that is the case, then Lokotu, they've gathered it, meaning it's okay. And that part's obvious, and everybody agrees on that, that if poor people did pluck leaves of a plant during Shemitah, then obviously they can keep them. Everything during Shemitah is Hefka. But now comes the Machrekes, Vimlav, if the poor people did not take the leaves off the plants during Shemitah, and therefore the plants carried on growing into the eighth year, if you think about it, let's say those leaves are plucked during the eighth year. So half of those leaves, and really half of each leaf, grew during Shemitah, and the second half of each leaf grew during the year after Shemitah. But since part of each leaf was a Shemitah leaf, beer does apply to it, which means according to Beliezer, who we're going to see holds like a Yehuda that it goes to only poor people after beer, so that means that anything which grew after beer, after that stage when there was no longer any of that produce left in the fields, anything which grew after that didn't belong to the owner. Because from the point of beer, it all belongs to poor people. And therefore, he needs to do a calculation with the poor people, meaning he doesn't need to give all of the leaves away to the poor people, because only the second half of the leaves which grew belong to the poor people. But he should work out what proportion of the leaf grew after beer. So if you imagine, let's say, one-third of the leaves grew after the stage of beer. So in that case, he would give a third of the leaves to the poor people. However, Rabbi Yeshua argues, because Rabbi Yeshua holds like Rabbi Meir, which means that after beer, it doesn't become the poor people's property, but rather it just becomes ownerless. It's Hefka, which means that the owner himself could just reclaim it, and therefore he can keep all of the leaves for Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua says, If the poor people did collect and gather the leaves during Shemitah, then of course they gathered them and they can keep them, just like any produce of Shemitah. However, if not, then says Yeshua, the poor people have no calculation, they have no claim against him, because it never entered their property, 
they have no claim more than anybody else, and therefore the owner could just reclaim it for himself, and therefore he can keep all of the leaves for himself. Mr. Dalit, the Mishnah is going to mention three different types of species, which although they are vegetables, and we learnt earlier on in the previous Perek, that when it comes to vegetables we look at the time that they are gathered in from the field. So if they're gathered in from the field during Schmitter, then they are considered Schmitter produce, even if they grew mostly in the previous year. That critical stage when they are gathered in. However, when it comes to these three species, because they are left in the ground for a long time, even after they've completed their growth, so their critical stage is not considered when they're gathered in, because that occurs way after they're fully grown. Rather, as soon as they are fully grown, that is considered the critical stage. Now, when it does come to uprooting these species from the ground, they would dig them up. But of course, if you're digging up produce from the ground during Schmittar, it may look as if you are preparing the ground to be planted. And because of that, you need to dig it in slightly an unusual way. And that's what we're going to see in our Mishnah. However, because you dig it in slightly an unusual way, the loof actually gets slightly damaged, which means that if the loof is considered to be Schmitter produce, meaning if it completed its growth during Schmitter, then you cannot dig it up, because you can't dig it up in the usual way, because it looks like you're planting there, you're preparing to plant that ground, and you can't use the unusual way of our Mishnah, because that way you damage the produce, and you can't damage Schmitter produce, which means that the Mishnah's case is where the produce completed its growth even before Schmitter, but it was left into the ground until even after Schmitter, until after Schmitter had started. So Luf Shal Erev Shavias, Luf which grew and completed its growth before Shavias, so in the sixth year of the Schmitter cycle, Shanichnas Shavias, but then it entered into the Schmitter cycle, whilst into the Schmitter year, while still attached to the ground. The same would apply to Betzolim HaKitsoinim, which either refers to onions which were planted in the summer, or grew during the summer, or who were dried out by the sun, the point is that these things were also left in the ground for a long time after they had completed their growth. So if they completed their growth in the sixth year, but you're only digging them up in the seventh year, then the same would apply. And the third thing is, the same would apply to pua, which is a type of plant from which they make red dye. And if this was growing, if it was growing in a very good quality land and good quality soil, so I say that you need to dig them up with wooden spades. Usually they would use metal spades. According to Beishama, you've got to make a big difference and do it in a totally unusual manner and dig it up with wooden spades. On the other hand, you're allowed to use metal spades still. Although the truth is, the Mephoshim explained that even according to Beishilel, you need to dig it up in a slightly unusual way, although you are allowed to use the regular tool. Beishilel are less concerned about people thinking that he's digging up the earth in order to prepare it to be planted. Now the Mishnah ends off, Umoidim, they agree, Beishamai agreed to Beishilel, but poor shall with regards to poor which grows among rocks. So because it grows among rocks, if you're digging it up, people are very unlikely to suspect you of digging up that area to be planted. Because people don't really plant around rocks, because not much of that area can be planted. So because there's less suspicion involved, even Beishamai would hold that you're allowed to dig those up with the metal spades, but again, you would need to make a slight difference. Mishnah Hay, we're going to learn in the next Perek that on the year following Schmitter, one can't just buy produce from anybody straight away and treat it as regular produce, because the produce directly after Schmitter probably grew during Schmitter. If you're buying from somebody who's not trusted in regards to Schmitter, so you can't buy it from him because he may have worked that field during Schmitter, which means that anything which grew in his field would be forbidden to benefit from. 
And therefore, in general, you can only buy produce from anybody, even those who are not necessarily trusted with Shemitah, only from the point that the eighth year produce is more than the seventh year produce. And that time is from Pesach. From Pesach of the eighth year, we assume that more produce was grown in the eighth year, which is around being sold in the markets, and therefore you can assume that the produce which you're buying from this particular person was grown in the eighth year, and therefore you can do what you like with that produce. The focus of our Mishnah is somebody who buys luf from somebody else, and the way Yerushalmi explains the situation is that he buys luf which was hidden in the ground. If you recall, we learned earlier on in this parak that people would often store luf for a long time, and they would usually store it in the ground. So if somebody is buying luf during the year following Shemitah, and he knows that this luf had been stored in the ground for quite a while, so now the Mishnah asks from when is one allowed to buy luf in the year following Shemitah from anybody, and he does not need to be concerned that this grew illegally during Shemitah. So Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says straight away, immediately on the first day of the eighth year, you can already buy this luf. And the reason for Rabbi Yehuda is because we learned in the previous Mishnah that if you want to dig up luf during Shemitah, you have to do it with a wooden spade, you have to do it with a difference, it's very difficult. Which means that no, nobody would dig up the luf during Shemitah just in order to store it. So if this luf was being stored during Shemitah, it's very unlikely that it was uprooted during Shemitah, because no one would go to that hard work just in order to store it in the ground. You might as well just keep it attached to the ground. And therefore you can assume that this was actually uprooted during the sixth year, and then it was stored during the entire Shemitah year in the ground. However, Rachachom and Rachachom say you cannot be so sure. Maybe it was actually uprooted during Shemitah, and it completed its growth only during Shemitah, which means that it is considered Shemitah produce. And therefore, just like with all other vegetables, only once the New Year's produce is more than the Old Year's produce, only then can you assume that what you are buying is the Eighth Year produce, and that it is not Shemitah produce, such that you'd be able to do whatever you want with that produce, and it would not need to be treated with the sanctity of Peiris Shavius. Mishnevov, after mentioning buying from somebody who is suspected of violating Shemitah, the next few Mishnahis, really until the end of the Perek, is going to discuss what one is not allowed to do because he is causing somebody else to violate Shemitah. And just like one is not allowed to do Averis himself, he's not allowed to cause others to do Averis. The Torah says, Lifnei lo sit in Michshol, in front of a blind person you cannot put a stumbling block, and included in this is causing somebody else to do an Averis. And the point of this Mishnah Mishnah Vov is that something which can only be used for something which is forbidden during Shemitah, so for example a plow, you're not allowed to sell that to somebody who does not keep Shemitah, because you're almost certainly causing him to do an Avera. However, you are allowed to give him something which he could use for an Avera, or he could also use for a permissible use. So really, if there's anything which is permissible, which can be done with that thing, then you can give that to somebody, even if that's somebody else, is suspected of not keeping the halachas of Shemitah. So the mission tells us, Elu kelim. The following are the utensils, She'ein ha'umun rasha namochem which a worker, somebody who makes these utensils, and it would really apply to anybody, is not allowed to sell to somebody else during Shemitah. And again, we're sp- talking specifically about selling to somebody who he suspects does not keep the halachas of Shemitah. If he does keep the halachas of Shemitah, then you can sell him anything. Even a plow, you just assume that he's preparing for the following year but he's not actually going to use it during Shemitah. However, when it comes to somebody who is suspected, you cannot sell him a 
a plow and all its utensils which come with it, ho'o, a yoke which is used to get the animals to move with the plow, v'hamizre, this is a tool which was used for winnowing, which is when they would separate different parts of the grain, the heavier parts which they wanted and the lighter parts which they didn't want, and the truth is one is allowed to winnow during Shemitah if he does it to a small amount of produce, but this tool, the mizre, is a tool which was only really used when you would winnow a lot of grain, and that's forbidden during Shemitah and therefore you cannot give that to somebody who you suspect does not keep the laws of Shemitah, the Hadekar, this is another tool used for digging up the ground, it was possibly connected to the plough, but again all these things are only used for something which is forbidden during Shemitah and therefore you cannot sell them. However, he can sell a, a hand sickle, a sickle is a moon-shaped uh, sort of knife, or a moon-shaped blade with a handle, and umagal kotzer is a sickle used for harvesting, it's very similar to umagal yod, just a bit bigger, but they were both used to harvest even just a little bit of grain, and since that's permitted during Shemitah, you're allowed to do that just to a little bit of grain, so it has a permissible use, and therefore you can sell it. One is also allowed to sell a wagon, and all its different parts, because even though you could use a wagon for forbidden things, for example if you harvest a lot of grain which is forbidden, and then, and then you transport it using that wagon, that will be forbidden. However, since you could also use the wagon for something permissible, you're allowed to sell it even to somebody who you don't think keeps the halachs of Shemitah. And Zahaklol, this is the rule, anything which the work which is done with that thing is specific to an Avera. It's only used to do something which is forbidden during Shemitah, then also it's obviously forbidden to sell to somebody who you suspect will use it for that forbidden thing. However, if that thing could be used for something which is forbidden as well as something which is permissible, then mutter it's permitted to sell to anybody, because lifni iver, the prohibition against causing others to do averas, only applies if it's pretty much sure that he's going to do the avera with that thing that you are supplying him with.